All right, campers, uh, welcome back. This is episode two of The Blooper. Once again, it's um, me and TD here getting ready to talk about all the fun movie stuff. Um, this week was actually, a, this past week was a huge starting week for TV shows um, with The Mandalorian returning. And we're going to start this episode off doing our review of Mando, us both being huge Star Wars fans. And as a pre requisite here just a little caution there will be spoilers because it is the first episode big spoilers there's a lot of stuff that bleeds in from boba fett i'm also going to shout this out now if you haven't watched boba fett yet you're going to be really confused seeing episode one of season three here so Mm -hmm. um i guess basically to just kind of jump right into it i thoroughly enjoyed the episode i know it was a lot slower and weirdly paced in terms of like how we got the opening, like the first episodes of every other season. But I think that's because yeah. we got, we got them in Boba Fett. We basically had premiere of season three in the middle of book of Boba Fett. Right. Yeah. I definitely think, um, I, I don't know. I liked it. I mean, it was, if you don't watch episode four and five Boba Fett, you're, it's going to be confusing. I don't think it's like alienating. Like if you don't want to watch Boba Fett and you're committed to not watching Boba Fett, you can come in on episode one of the Mandalorian and you may have to read a quick article I don't think that you like it's not it's not make or break, but I definitely do think it's helpful um, and it's good connective tissue for the first episode. But overall, I thought it was enjoyable. Um, it's fun. It's good to be back. I feel like, you know, it hasn't been that long. Like the wait from two to three wasn't as long as one to two, but it is good to be back um, with these characters. Um, so I definitely thought it was good. Good well, start. I mean, so I mean, they, you kind of do have to watch it because if you think about it, you end off season two. Luke takes Grogu away, and then Grogu's just magically back in the beginning of season three because you don't see yeah. that. I, I only know this because I had I had a couple people come up to me being like, I didn't, like, what the fuck happened? And it was like, oh, did you not watch Boba Fett? They were like, no, we heard it was yeah. terrible. And it's like, oh, well, you missed the two best episodes of Boba Fett, which was the Mandalorian premiere. Mandalorian season 2.5. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I don't know. I I imagine they'll probably cut back to it as we go through you know and kind of give more context especially as their relationship develops i hope um that we get more actual like emotional development and we start to see mando open up beyond you know helmet guy um and i think he's been doing a good job so far but i think now is definitely the the time for them to branch out and make some of that happen because i think that if we go too long with him just being helmet guy with little kid then it's not going to you know, we need that emotional development for it to really start to be interesting. But I think that, I think we're there. I mean, I think it's going to get there. It definitely feels like, especially with the context of Boba Fett, you know, that gives you that extra. We see what Grogu wants and we see what Mando wants. So I think, I think we'll get there. So, yeah, I, I do want to talk about, because the opening scene of this season, I thought was so <clears throat> sick. We're like, they're doing like the the ceremony with like the young Mandalorian yeah. and then, the giant mega monster sea turtle basically kind of comes out and it's all of the Mandalorians mm-hmm. that are left there fighting. I thought yeah. that scene was so sick. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I thought, um, I definitely thought that was Pedro Pascal and this was a flashback. Um, I thought it was Mando, little kid version, and then it wasn't, which was sick. But um, I thought, I mean, I don't know. It was cool. I liked um, that Vizsla 
was there um and he's still you know super committed because he has a good clone wars backstory with all you know his history and stuff so it was nice to see him you know they're still like committed to the the cult and whatnot whatever you want to call it the mandalorian cult um the monster was sick i'm not gonna lie the cgi was better than i would have expected it wasn't perfect but for what it did i thought it was really effective um and they definitely did a lot of good practical when they did like the close-ups when like they got into the like the meat of the fight which i thought was really nice so amanda's been good about practical effects so so far i think it was good but it was it was pretty cool. I was it shocked me and I was pretty hyped about it. So, no, one hundred percent because like <laughs> it was funny because when I was watching with my roommate, we both started laughing when Mando flies out to like finally kill it, and we mm-hmm. both were like, "This is exactly like the scene in the boys when Billy Butcher rams the boat through the whale." Oh yeah, the entrance <laughs> of how they come yeah. in felt the exact yeah, absolutely. same way. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't even put it together, but that is totally accurate. And even even yeah. um even them going to see Carl Weathers character and kind of that mm-hmm. whole interaction with him and even though like the the cheesiest part of the episode was the pirates. The yeah. the, the pirates saying, This is our bar, we want to drink here and he's like, No, this is a school. Yeah. And it was Yeah, it was goofy. Also, what a way! What a what a way! I forget the actress's name, but what a way to write her off by just saying like, "Oh, she just Dude. joined. She joined special forces, and that's the only thing <laughs> said about her." That's it. Oh my god, I know. And then we got. I saw the news. Did you see the news about uh, shelving the Patty Jenkins films for Star Wars? No. Yeah. Wait, Kevin wait, Feige. no, I did see that. Yeah, they're shelving those films, so they wrote it off. That's tough, you know. Gina Carano really ruined it, and honestly get fucked you know what i mean don't be dog shit so it was it made me laugh like i'm sure people without context like you know people who are not terminally online are gonna be like oh cool whatever you know no big deal but for me it was fucking hilarious no so she she single-handedly ruined what could have been a very big career for herself like yep she could have been in star wars forever and would have made a shit ton of money would have been very recognizable could have been in a bunch of like new bullshit Russo action films, like mm-hmm. could have been in it all and just made millions. And instead, yeah, got the most throwaway line. I think I've ever heard in a franchise. <laughs> yeah. Like if you weren't paying attention, you definitely would have missed it. And it just mm-hmm. wouldn't have even made a difference in anything. Yep. I mean, and it was a good character, but I think, I don't think it's going to harm the story at all. I mean, this is, you know, it's Mando Krogu focused. I don't think we're going to miss her in, and especially with like, They've expanded the scope so much to like and capture like you know we have Bo-Katan and we have the other Mandalorians and we have the cult and like Mando's about to go back like I think that it's not really going to make a difference so I think it was the right choice so not one hundred percent and so and like the, even the ending was interesting too with they go basically go see the sea Mandos that's the way I describe yeah. them the yeah. sea Mandos who just <laughs> yeah don't give a shit and that whole scene was just really weird. Like Mm -hmm. something about it just didn't feel like it fit with the episode, but obviously you have to set it there because he can't go to Mandalore by himself. Like, yeah, definitely. No, it's a toxic wasteland right now. Yeah. It's, it's glass. I mean, they absolutely obliterated it. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a little weird, but I thought, I think, you know, it makes perfect sense. So 
Um, I'm excited to see where he goes. Like, you know, if he's going to go straight there, what's going to happen there. I'm excited to see if there's any wacky fucking creatures there. Cause there's gotta oh, be yeah. one weird shit. Like there's gotta be one weird one. So I'm excited to see that. So. And, and just, just to be the knocking of just for sake of discussion, the only other issue I had was when he's with Carl Weathers and they're like, Oh, I need a droid. Like you need a droid to navigate. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I want the droid that died in season one. That does not work. And they tell him it doesn't work and that there's nothing he can yeah. do about it. They're like, he was like, yeah, I want that. And then when it tries to kill Rogu, they're like, oh, you need the memory chip that just doesn't exist. And he's like, oh, I know where to get it. Yeah, it was, and, it, yeah, it, it definitely was like, oh, MacGuffin, you know, here we go. Here's the, the setup for where we're taking. And it was, I don't know, I get it. You know, you need something to kickstart you, but also he's got the dark saber. Like, we know that we don't need this silly little side robot plot. It was goofy and funny and, you know, silly. And I liked, I like IG-11. I like those droids. IG-88, the GOAT, the greatest to ever do mm-hmm. it. Rest in peace. I, I liked it. But um, it was just kind of felt unnecessary. But, I, I mean, in the other sense, it was like, it was nice to catch up with uh, Carl Weathers' character, Grief Karga, I think it is. Think and uh, right. to see... Yeah, and to see what was going on on the fuck, I can't remember the name of the city. Whatever the city's called, it was nice. It's like he's playing Clash of Clans. So yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got a town hall up to level fifteen, and yeah. But I, I mean, I like it. It's it's world development. That's you know we don't always get that, which is nice. So I'm glad to see that we got some of that. So no, and just like I, I think everybody's been waiting for Mando to come back, especially with mm-hmm. how disappointing. <laughs> like obi-wan was and how disappointing boba like boba fett's a heaping pile of dog shit but like yeah andor was sick i binge watched the hell out of andor before mando came out because i fell so far Mm -hmm. behind just in case there was a connection i'm curious if they will find a way to connect the the two plots um just because like they've they even dropped like rebel easter eggs in in this episode with like the sea whales yeah yeah. Or the space. That was cool. Sorry. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was super sick. Um, like, yeah, I don't know. It'll be, it'll definitely be interesting to see if they manage to connect. I think, I hope that they manage to learn some of the lessons that the fans gave from Andor um, before they finished, you know, at least if they can't bring it into the writing, maybe they could bring it into the editing and, you know, ground it a little bit more. Um, but I do think also that, just, you know, as a little aside, I haven't really kept up with it, but I know the Bad Batch is starting to make connections to Mando and stuff like that. And it's nice to see, you know, that they're still considering, like, they're keeping in mind that, you know, people, this universe has big important events and they're shared and not everything can be completely disconnected. So it was nice, because um, definitely when that came out in Mando season one with the midichlorians and the clones and whatever they were doing with that guy, that weird scientist with the glasses, yeah. it was weird. But... um you know, it wasn't totally out of pocket for the Star Wars universe, and to see them bring that connective tissue into other places is nice too. So, hopefully, they manage to do some more of that with some of their other shows and not make it so weird. Because, like with Boba Fett, it kind of fell out of place until the yeah. very end. But that is, you know, is what it oh. is with Boba Fett. I guess that's the the uh, weird third child. So, Boba Fett just felt like they tried. They tried so hard. To be Mando, but without mm. the mask the whole time. 
Like, mm-hmm. it, it felt like they tried to hit everything that Mando does. Like, you have these weird, quirky side characters, like the stupid fucking teen punk cyborgs that just wasn't good. <laughs> it was that Yeah, the best soldiers. They, they look like from Cyberpunk, which failed just as horribly as the game did. And, like... Yeah. And just the whole, like, flashbacks and everything they did, even though I will give Boba Fett props, they had one of the coolest action scenes I've ever seen in Star Wars with the train heist. Mm-hmm. But, like... Yeah. They just they try to do the opposite of Mando where you see more of Boba Fett's face, but nobody wanted to see his face. Versus Mando where everybody wants to see Pedro Pascal's actual face throughout the entire series. Yeah. <clears throat> that man's living on top of the world right now. Yeah, I know. And I think, you know, Pedro Pascal, despite we us not getting to see his emotional expressions, I think the voice is good. Like Oh, shit. Um I think he does a good voice, and I believe, you know. The way he talks about Grogu, it, you can hear it in his voice that it, you know, he he cares deeply about Grogu and definitely like things matter to him. And it's just, you know, despite the lack of facial expression, I think he still does a good job. And I, I do hope that we get more unmasked. But obviously, you know, for what the character is, it's going to take more revelation um, on the part of like Mandalorian history for that to happen. Yeah. But I think we're going to get there. I mean, we're going to Mandalore. There's no way we don't get some of that. You know what I mean? Like, um, because, you know, from coming from Cold Wars, I had never heard of, nobody even knew about this kind of weird Mandalorian mass cult. No. I've seen hundreds of Mandalorians just walking around on their planet. No mask, no nothing. So, um, I think he'll get that important context and I think it'll help him grow as a character and then we'll get to see more Pedro. So, yeah. Because I am really intrigued how they're going to make Mandalore look, especially with it being yeah. glass. Like, yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm so intrigued. Yeah, I am too. I hope it's absolutely desolate and there's giant structures of, you know, glass explosions. And like, I hope, I do hope we get to see some of what we know from Clone Wars. Like, I hope that we get to see maybe Sabine's palace and like the spaceport. Uh-huh. Um, and if we don't, that's okay because it's a whole planet. But um, it would make sense to me if he ended up going to where the capital was. So I do hope we get to see some of that. But um, no, yeah, I could definitely see ties coming in. Yeah, I could definitely see some ties with Clone Wars coming into this season, especially just because that's what this is where I'll give them props is I know it's so easy for Star Wars to especially just let's hit you with as much nostalgia as possible. We could throw in as much as we want, kind of like what Marvel mm-hmm. does. But especially with some of these like newer projects, they've steered away from giving you the nostalgia characters unless like you absolutely yeah. need them. And it's more, they'll just drop like a little Easter egg in it. Like you'll, we'll probably see it, but I don't know yeah. if they'll necessarily go to those places just out of like, we want to make sure that this is its own story. But while we, <laughs> Well, we show like, hey, we know this is here because we showed it to you in canon. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't need like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge and somebody to point the screen and go, huh, when they show something. But if if there's a recognizable set, I think it'd be cool to see um, just as a quick nod for the fans who've watched everything. So and, you know, I think they've been pretty good about that so far. Sometimes they've been over the top, like the uh, the initial Naboo Starfighter thing was a little over the top, but I didn't hate it. Um, and I, I do think they could do it better. And I think they're, they probably know that and they're probably going to try and make it a little better. So no, 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, 
All I know is I can't wait for this week's episode. I'm just Mandalorian's back, and it just the world goes so much better when the Mandalorian is streaming. Yeah, no, definitely. I it 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 is really nice to be back. I just I like the, I, there's pretty much not a character that I can think of that I don't like, which is nice. So, no. um, and we you know if we don't see some of the side characters, like if we don't see uh, Boba Fett. That's fine. If we do, cool, whatever. I don't think it's integral to the story anymore, and I think they know that. So, um, mostly what I want to see happen is I want to see what's going to happen with that dark saber. I yeah. want to know who's going to get it. I want to know if Mando decides to defend or if he decides to take up what it means to wield a dark saber. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting places it can go, um, and I'm definitely excited for the next episodes. So, one hundred percent. I didn't even think to give this episode a rating. I'd probably give it like an 82, maybe. I think that's me mm. being really generous just because I think I'm more excited that it's back. It wasn't the best yeah. episode. Yeah, and I, I do think it was short. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I definitely think... I if I would probably give it like a 77. Just because it, you know, it felt like not a whole lot happened despite yeah. things happening. Um, you know, I think we got some good setup for where we're going to go. And I did like the space fight. I all, I'm a sucker for ship and shooting in space and whatnot. So that was cool. And Mando did some cool shit. You know, he's a very talented pilot. He's a very talented fighter. So I like to see that. Um, but I don't know. I just need more. So, and I, I don't think we're going to be missing out or anything it's just you know it's first episode they gotta shake off the rust and get back into it so i completely agree all right well we're gonna take a small little break and then up next we're gonna come back and uh we're gonna talk about the last of us because man oh man man oh man stay stay tuned all right campers welcome back uh right now we're gonna talk about all eight episodes so far that has come out of The Last of Us. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, it's basically a really cool kind of, I guess, zombie show, but not really a zombie show that focuses a lot on human relationships. Stars Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. It's been streaming on HBO Max. If you somehow haven't seen it, because it's one of the most popular shows they've ever had. I'm going to be mean you're just living under a rock. Uh, <laughs> and for those of you who still have no idea, this was based off of honestly my favorite video game of all time that was a playstation hit yeah the, the last of us part one um but yeah i words words honestly cannot describe how amazing this show has been like if it keeps it it's just amazed me every single week and depending on how they do part two and how many other seasons they're going to create out of it this could go down as one of the best shows i've ever seen because it's it's just so fucking good. Like, yeah, I it's a masterpiece. I mean, it's definitely one you know one of my favorite games ever. Also, um, and it's just um, it's beautiful every episode. I think, and you know, not to say it's not without flaws. Um, I think there's been some issues. Not anything big because I don't think this is a bad show. I mean, this is a damn good show. If you like TV and you like good things you should watch the show because it's absolutely fucking fantastic i mean the writing is fantastic the set direction is awesome um they've done a lot of really cool practical effects um i love the 
the character direction. I it's just up top to bottom. It's absolutely phenomenal. So um, definitely one of my highlights so far for the year. Um, I think it might be for the whole year, if not ever. I, so I I agree. And before we even start getting into the spoilers, the the one thing you have to give the nod to the people who created the show, directed the show, produced it, is they do such a great job of knowing what to make beat for beat from the game, which is honestly the majority of the show. But like, even the little cutscenes that they throw in there, but at the same time, just the added originals that they did to enhance the story Mm -hmm. just makes, not only makes the show way better, when you go back and play the games, it makes it 10 times more interesting and yeah. makes infected look more dangerous. It adds more heart and emotion to the story. Like I just, yeah, it's the dudes who created Chernobyl. So they know what the fuck they're doing. And yeah, I mean, just, Oh yeah. I think the, um, the benefit of having the showrunner of Chernobyl here is that, um, Chernobyl is obviously a real life horrifying disaster. Um, and we get, we've gotten a lot of that, like you know carried over in the sense that it makes something that's a video game feel so real and you know feel so dangerous um and it's nice because i mean you know for its time and for what it is now it was you know graphically impressive and you know it was pretty immersive but to see it on the silver screen you know it definitely feels like like this is something that could be legit and it's like you know the walking dead i think for its credit you know it felt pretty immersive for a zombie show, but it's it's kind of hard to suspend your disbelief when you just you know oh zombies are scary. But I think the the Last of Us has like dived in a, just just enough to make it feel threatening enough in real life. You know what I mean? Like it it gives you that extra edge that I think a lot of zombie stories struggle with, um, which I'm is pretty awesome i think i mean the games made it scary and whatnot but you know it's it's video game mechanics that made it scary oh yeah but the tv show i think you know i it feels like it could be a thing like it's absolutely mm-hmm. it feels possible and that's oh scary and good and i like it i i think they have d- done a really good job making it feel like immersive so i i completely agree and i think we should just go ahead and start jumping into the spoiler part uh we can start off by talking about this week's episode this episode is probably my favorite scene from the game where Mm -hmm. Ellie gets captured by David and Mm -hmm. it's the most frustrating mission of the entire fucking game running around that goddamn burning down restaurant while trying to kill him because the motherfuckers all over the place but like Bella Ramsey I think I don't know why so many people were giving her shit when she was casted Mm -hmm. because like she was awesome in Game of Thrones, and she's encapsulated Ellie so well. And this episode showed it, like, with her, like, the whole scene of her being in the cage and, like, the beat-for-beat beat part of her getting thrown on the table, killing, um, forget the fucker's name, with the knife, and then the way she kills yeah. David is so, like, like, you are re-watching the game in that entire sequence. Yeah. You know, I think, I... <laughs> I wasn't really ever, like, out on Bella Ramsey. You know, I was interested from the get-go. I was like, mm, she, you know, I know they're a good actor. I was excited to see where they go. Um, it was, ab- this episode was absolutely phenomenal for their acting. I mean, it was fucking nuts, dude. Like, the way 
uh, Ellie interacts with Joel before she goes out, you know, to find medicine was, you know, it was heartbreaking. I, I could just see in her eyes and in her demeanor just how much he means to her in that moment. When she's interacting with David before she gets the medicine, like she's, you know, she's trying so hard to be threatening. And I think she she was like and David even says, you know, I'm scared of you. And I get. Yeah, absolutely. I'm scared of her, too. She's a little 14 year old kid. I'm horrified. Like, I don't want to be anywhere near her. She will kill anybody who stands in her way. Oh, yeah. And I got that immediately. And it was absolutely excellent. And then when she screams at him when she's in the jail cell that I broke his fucking finger, I was absolutely taken aback. I was like, this is incredible, dude. Like, give this, give them the Emmy, dude. Like, come on. It was, yeah, absolutely incredible. Also, because I, I don't, re- I'm pretty sure this wasn't in the game. This was the added part. The all the scenes with David back with like the people he's trying to take care of. That yeah. whole scene when they're eating dinner, and the girl starts trying to like question him, and he just slaps mm-hmm. the shit out of her. Yeah, nobody moves, and then he just like kindly picks her up and puts her in the chair, and then they just all eat like nothing happened. Makes David mm-hmm. ten times more horrifying than he was in the game. Because like you can yeah. see he's. He's the crazy leader and kind of has like a bit of a god complex in a sense, but he he's doing the same thing Joel's trying to do in a sense where he's like, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to keep my people alive, even yeah. though he's a giant fucking cannibal. <laughs> yeah, no, I I actually feel like David is a really good juxtaposition for Joel because they definitely are, you know, two men trying to protect the people that they need to protect. But Joel's because we know from what Joel has said in the show that, you know, he's done bad things and Tommy didn't like that when they talked in episode six and, you know, Ellie has asked him multiple times, like, did you kill people? Like, did they deserve it? Stuff like that. And we know, we know Joel has a dark history, but David, I feel like turns that on its head in a way because he is, seems like someone who wasn't able to have a dark history and now it's out. Right. And like, I think especially when he slaps that girl and then picks her up, he's just so manipulative and like willing to like brainwash these people basically, because it seems like he is, he needs people to care for, to be fulfilled, like in a, in a villainous sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's not because he does it out of the goodness, his own heart. He, I think you're absolutely right with the God complex. I think that nails it. And like, he's, you know, quote unquote, a religious leader for the sake of it, not because he's religious. It's because he can use that to manipulate people and then have power over them. He needs that power over people. And, you know, by providing for them, he does have power over them. And it's, you know, that's a benevolent thing that he makes evil. Whereas Joel, I feel like, is, um, Joel protects people that he loves, not because he needs power over them, but because he loves them and because, you know, he's had loss and he, you know, wants to feel belong belonging and be with people. Um, so I think that those two together two, you know, men who care or who protect having like their moral sensibilities stacked up against one another is very interesting. So, and I, I thought this episode displayed it really well. So 100% and to even go further in it, because this has been my, my biggest issue with the show has not been the show itself. It's been the people who, one didn't play the game and I'm not trying to say we're better than you because we played the game, but we just kind of understand what the whole point of this is. People Mm -hmm. still think that this is supposed to be a zombie show. One, they're not really zombies. They're a different form, but like 
some people still aren't understanding the fact that this is a show about human relationships. Like this is about you being stuck in this apocalyptic world and how much like people actually matter to you and who you can trust. Mm -hmm. If you haven't noticed yet, there hasn't been really a fucking clicker since what episode five. Like we saw one last week, but that was just to give Ellie's backstory. But right. Like in the games, the only time you're really going against clickers and the clickers are a big deal is because you haven't fought anything in a while and they're like, fuck it, here's here's something for you to mm-hmm. fight that's not a raider. Like, mm-hmm. here's a clicker. Have fun. Just to create suspense. But like this show like this episode, and I and we both know what's gonna happen in the finale, but like really shows how like this is about human like just human decency and people trying to find the relationships they didn't have especially when you've been in this apocalypse and this show for 20 years yeah like yeah i definitely think um that it's like it's definitely not about the clickers and about the runners and about the bloaters it's about what it means to love and survive when it's when it's difficult when it's hard and like what is the right way and the wrong way to go about it and you know what it what does it look like for people to try and care for people when like everything is at stake because of it so um and i think what i do like about this show so far is that they definitely in in the game the clickers are a gameplay threat um mm-hmm. in the show the clickers are a character threat you know yeah. it's 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 emotional motivation um it's character development every time there's a clicker it's suddenly not about fighting off the zombies it's about i have to do anything i have i have in my power to save you know the people around me which is cool um a lot of the times the zombies are a threat to move you know in other in other series is it's about you know zombies move you from one place to another for the plot or they kill someone for the plot and it's not really about like like the characters developing as a result of it it's just convenient for narrative purposes um but i think this show uses it really well to develop like emotional relationships which is cool and we don't get that often so well yeah and even go further in that to talk about a past episode i wrote about a review about this whole episode was episode three with bill and frank because For those of you who haven't read my reviews and are listening and have whatever, that whole storyline does not exist in the game. Like what we saw in that episode was all original and it's still, I think the best episode of the entire season. Like I know people have issues with it because you don't see Joel or Ellie, but like the amount of emotion and it really just captured the essence of the show of it is about the people. It is about the ones you can love and trust when it doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And Oh my god, because like, just to spoil the game, spoiler or whatever, because I know half of you still won't play the fucking game. <laughs> the only time you meet Frank is when you're with Bill and you're walking around and it's you, Bill, and, it's Bill, Joel, and Ellie. You're trying to find this car battery and you just happen to walk in the house where Frank hung himself because he ran mm-hmm. away because he knew he was going to be infected and didn't want to hurt Bill. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I liked. I thought it was a good change. Um, in fact, I think it's a better story than the game. Honestly, it's um, obviously it's hard to do something like that in a game. So I get why you know things were weren't the way they were necessarily. But um, 
it was, I mean, it was just beautiful. It's just, it's so, so um, heartwarming and heartbreaking to see, like to chart the course of Bill and Frank's relationship over those 20 years. Um, and it was, I just thought it was really nice that, you know, it, it was a chance encounter that developed into something so meaningful. And like, they went to the ends of the earth for each other and, you know, they protected each other and, you know, Bill was the physical protector and Frank was an emotional, emotional protector. And, um, I thought it was both good in the sense of their, you know, contained relationship, but I also thought that setting it up that way really made, um, it gave like important context for Joel and Ellie, right? Because Joel is a physical protector. He is strong and he shoots and he runs and he defeats people and he, you know, he physically saves. And I think for him in the past, Tess was that emotional protection. Not to, you know, not yeah. to say that Tess wasn't a badass because I'm pretty sure she absolutely fucked some dudes up, which is sick. But for Joel, you know, she provided him an emotional connection that he didn't have because Tommy was gone. Sarah died. He didn't have anyone. And Tess provided that link for him back to reality that he may not have had. And it might have led him to do worse, much worse things and go down a much darker path. And also contrasting that with Joel and Ellie, you know, Joel has to protect Ellie because she's a kid. But also we see that, you know, Ellie, especially in episode eight, is also a badass. You know, Mm -hmm. she's strong and she can take care of herself and she's willing to go to any length to survive. Um, but also we see, you know, how much Joel needs that connection as he fights, you know, he gets up and fights off two dudes while sick and recovering from an infection. And, but I also think that we see some of, um, their relation, their roles reverse when we see Ellie protect herself and Joel is that emotional stability for her, which I think makes, you know, their relationship development a lot stronger. So I think episode three really gave us that, like, lens on what it's like for two people to love each other and give like an important back and forth um and i think that has helped us see joel and ellie in a different light coming out of that so yeah and they just it's so good and then even to jump into another episode i've already loved too that they've they've already started setting up season two and people don't even realize it with Mm -hmm. uh like what was that episode six when they go to jackson for yep. the first time because in the mm-hmm. game we don't see jack we don't see that town until till the second game mm-hmm. at all and did you yeah. also catch catch the easter egg that they threw in there of uh yeah of dina mm-hmm. i knew immediately yeah oh yeah i saw her and instantly was just like see that's fucking awesome like they're we're already getting the setup for season two which <laughs> it's just i can't wait for season two be i know we yeah. still got to get through this season but like yeah I, a lot of people I aren't ready it's... yeah definitely but then um, season... go ahead no go ahead no you go ahead oh i was just gonna say um i like that they've been you know leaving the trail of breadcrumbs for season two but i also um wanted to talk about the episode four and five um with sam and henry um, because I, um, that's a very heartbreaking part of the game. Um, and it does not get easier no matter how many times you play it, no matter how many times you watch it on TV, it is not easy to get through. Um, but I liked, um, that they gave us context for 
why Henry was on the run because we didn't really get that in the game. You know, it was no. pretty much brushed aside. Um, but the um, the leader of Kansas City who defeated Fedra, she, I thought, was great in her role because yeah. she was deceptively evil, I guess. And honestly, I don't even want to say evil. Like, I think that is the wrong word. She was deceptively a leader, you know? And mm-hmm. I think um, her best man whatever you want to call him her number one guy he even said you know we followed you like we listened to you don't like discount yourself i thought it was awesome to see her you know lead that charge and you know i guess fedra is really fucked up in the show i get that you know and it's so i get why you know she went to the lengths that she did to defeat you know to take over and free themselves from fedra and defeat henry and you know because he ratted him out and he could have ruined everything and so from her context it makes total sense and but at the same time henry it makes sense for him too to protect sam with everything he's got and all he wanted to do is protect his little brother so oh yeah and to even build more off that episode one seeing her get blibbity blobbed by the fucking exorcist reincarnate yeah uh-huh. was the most satisfying thing on earth and that's Very also satisfying. the creepiest infected like the creepiest yeah. cooker i've ever seen in my life and yeah, even, it was even very scary. Even with the bloater ripping her number one in half, like, mm-hmm. like, because in the game you fight the bloater in the gym, and that's like, yeah. like in the high school where they were down in the basement. But also, like you said, that is the Henry and Sam scene is the saddest scene of the whole game. And not only do they make it sadder, like, they made it sadder because. The props to the kid who played Sam, because yeah, he was especially phenomenal. for being deaf in real life. But the fact yeah. that you made him deaf in the game, like not in the game, you made him deaf in the show. You picked in a the deaf show. actor for this, mm-hmm. made it ten times worse. And even yeah. the also added scene too of Ellie trying to see if she can actually cure people by rubbing mm-hmm. her blood into his wound, as like yeah. the hope of like, oh maybe he'll make it. And then someone else also points out. That the reason why he was sitting facing the window is so that way when he wakes up, he doesn't see Ellie. Yeah. So that way he doesn't instantly kill Ellie in her sleep. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you made this so much sadder than it was yeah. in the game. And yeah. It's so fucking brutal. Um, yeah. And, you know, we got that little flashback where we saw Henry escape and he talked to the old man and they stayed up there for a week or whatever. And he said, I don't think he's coming back. And, the to me what really drove home just how heartbreaking it was at the end is the fact that he gave him the hero face paint you know because sam has been painting all these pictures for so long and for henry to put the red paint on his eyes and say you're the hero like you you know you're strong enough to do this like it just made the ending hurt so much more because he couldn't he couldn't do it and henry couldn't do it and so i don't yeah i don't know i think i mean the Last of Us, what I love about it is they, they do it so well where they get these these duos to reflect and develop Joel and Ellie in, you know, Bill and Frank and Joel and Tess and Henry and Sam. It's just so good to have these, like, alternate character development arcs where we can see Joel and Ellie go or, you know, we can see what they learn from their encounters. It's just, I don't know. I I think it's really good. And it's it's not always overt and... You know, it can be pretty subtle, but I think it absolutely fucking nails it. So, 100%. And 
to move to a brighter note, because I know this last, like, five minutes of this has been depressing, because we're talking about the most depressing <laughs> episode. Um, the man of the fucking hour, and the person who, like, there was nobody else who could have played Joel than yeah. Zaddy Pedro Pascal. Yeah, absolutely. Just every, like, the moment they, I one, I think everybody knew before the game, that was the man. Like, that was the only mm. person who could really play Joel. And when they mm. announced that they got him to sign on to this, I think it made every single person who played the game the happiest person alive. Because you knew, no matter what, Joel was going to be perfect. Yeah. No, I think, I absolutely agree. He, I don't know if anyone could ever do it better. Ever. And I mean, no. you know, Troy Baker, phenomenal voice actor. And I, you know, that in my head was the Joel. Like, at that time, I was like, this is it. Like, no matter what they do, the casting can't match this level of, you know, emotional depth. And then Pedro Pascal came out and he fucking did it. And, you know, I, I know that we make, we like to make a lot of jokes about how he's a daddy and, you know, he he's a baddie and he takes care of his kids. But I think this dude can fucking act his ass off. Like, I... I don't even know it's Pedro Pascal sometimes. I'm looking at him and, and uh, like, I don't even see the man behind the performance. I just see the performance in all of its glory. And that's fucking absolutely incredible. And I had this thought the other day about Pedro Pascal. Is he, has he slowly become the greatest TV actor of all time? Because think about, think about his track record. <laughs> he might he was in, he was in Game of Thrones for, yep. what was it, like five episodes max, maybe, if that. Yep. Unreal, Narcos. Yep. And then you yeah. think, oh, he's already been in two phenomenal shows. He says, "Fuck all of you." I'm going to be in two even better TV shows and go into Mando and Last of Us, both coming out at the same time now. Like, yeah, he's, Pedro he's, season. He's four for four. Yeah, he hasn't missed. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. And you know, he's I I haven't seen that many Pedro Pascal movies, but I should see more because like what this man does on the stage and you know in front of the camera is just incredible like i can't think of another word to describe it so no i haven't but i want to so bad unbearable weight of massive talent he's so fucking funny in the entire movie because he's like giddy pedro pascal the entire time with like a little bit of an accent but he's just he's so fucking good it's yeah and if this is so powerful where we're at with this if this is where we're at with this with like i don't even know if he's hit his peak yet because like you just think oh like maybe he's gonna go move on to movies and then instead he decides i'm gonna go into an even better tv show than the one i was in last and just Mm -hmm. absolutely destroys yeah he just keeps trading up and i don't know i he's he's gonna be awarded like crazy if not for this performance then the next one and the next one after that like i think he's quickly proven himself to be one of the best like right now maybe you know of the decade so and i know we're about to talk about this in our next segment because we're going to talk we're going to do like a little emmy's future draft i'm so curious if he's going to get two lead actor noms in dramas for both Mm -hmm. joel and for mando like Mm -hmm. and i'm trying to think of the last person who even had the opportunity to be able to get nominated for that because it's not like the oscars where you can get away with getting nominated in two separate categories like yeah he's the only one right now with two shows that are now literally running at the same time mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what shakes out but i think 
I don't think he makes it out of this award season with at least one best actor. So we'll see where it comes from, but I mean, dude's just nuts. So, and to just give our quick ratings, like, so mine for the last episode was, so episode eight, I gave it, I think a 93. And then like the show, the whole show as a whole, I give it a 91. It's just been, like you said earlier, it's been such a great tribute to one of the best PlayStation games of all time. And it just, like, there's been a couple lulls. Obviously, every show has its flaws, but they just do such a great job with everything else that the flaws, you're just very much like, oh, that happened, whatever, like, doesn't take down anything that the show has done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think for this last episode, it's, you know, probably a 95. It was, I was enthralled the whole time. And, you know, I... I think overall, I'd probably give the show probably a 93 if I had to pick one. Um, It's had very, very few moments where I feel like it's faltered. Other than that, I feel like it's just been up and down. Absolutely awesome. So I love it. I'm excited for what's next. I'm excited for the finale. I think that this is going to – I think everyone will be shocked. I think it's awesome. I can't wait for it. So. I'm so excited for the finale, but yeah, for those of you, you better who haven't seen it yet, you better catch the fuck up. You got mm-hmm. eight episodes to bust through. It's <laughs> like this. It has it has turned into Game of Thrones esque in the sense of like, yeah, it has become everybody is watching it on Sunday, and you don't want to be the one person missing out. And yeah, yep. next week's the finale, the season finale, and then maybe it's time for people. Then right afterwards, go play the games. They're play the game. especially if you have a PlayStation, Xbox players. I'm sorry, sucks that you have an f- inferior fucking console, but <laughs> for those of you who have PlayStation, I, like go buy the game ASAP. Buy both. Yeah, you definitely. you will not regret that decision. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick, very quick break, and up next we're gonna do a little futures draft of the Emmys because the Emmys are almost here. Like we're about to start getting nominations for that. So yeah, stay tuned. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome back. We are now going to do our fun little Emmys futures draft. Now, granted, Emmys aren't until September, but as we're talking about TV shows, and a lot of these are about to come out soon, we're going to get nominations. I believe you what in June, right? That's what you said, June ish, June July. Uh, July is when they come out. Yeah. Okay. Um, but so. I mean, with everything that's about to come out, slash everything that's already happened like i think there's already some that we just know are kind of locks to get nominated anyways and usually are going to be the favorites to win no matter what um so i guess let's just start off by going with uh the best limited series and i think you started last time so i guess i'll go first Uh, for limited series i have monster the jeffrey Dahmer story i still haven't seen it yet to be honest um but the amount of hype and just everything that came with the show, true crime people f- fucking fell head over heels for it. I love Evan <laughs> Peters. I heard Evan Peters yeah. acted his ass off. And out of all the limited series, there weren't a ton. Like, I know we had, like, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan has no fucking shot of, I think, even getting mm-hmm. nominated. I hope it doesn't like, get nominated. There's not a lot of limited series anymore. I think that's just because, like, we're out of COVID. People are now wanting to actually watch full TV shows. And I think... 
monster the Jeffrey Dahmer story has the best chance. Hmm. I think it's going to be Blackbird, honestly. Um, it's like Ray Liotta's swan song, you know? So I think that lends a lot to it. Um, but I've also heard that Taron Egerton goes crazy. And, I, you know, I know he's a good actor, but I, I really haven't seen him get to perform that much. So um, I still want to watch this one before it actually – before the nominations actually come out. Um, but I think it has a pretty good shot. Um, so I'm definitely going to go with that. I think, you know, if it doesn't win, that's okay. But I I do think that despite the hype from Jeffrey Dahmer, I think that uh, the Ray Liotta swan song lends a lot to it. So um, – and maybe it, that translates to an actor, but I think that it could win limited series, so we're going with that. No, definitely, because I honestly forgot Ray Liotta's in that show, and obviously, yeah. re- rest in peace to one of my favorite actors. Like, yeah, if that doesn't get them the nod, then it just wasn't. It's not a great group of limited series, especially based off this website no. we're looking at, where we kind of got the odds. There really isn't. There just really isn't much, but. Whatever. Okay, on to the next category. Uh, let's jump into... Let's do Best Actress for Comedy. Uh, I picked Quinta Brunson, Quinta Brunson uh, from Abbott Elementary. She... She... From the from what I've seen of the show, the show's hilarious. But... Mm-hmm. Quinta Brunson is kind of like the Ty Burrell in a sense. Where, like... I just have a feeling because of how good the show is and how she is she's just going to win it almost every single year. Like, she's yeah. just almost a lock at this point to win it. Especially after kind of what happened, what was it, her last, the last award she won, where she kind of got, like, undercut a little bit afterwards mm-hmm. with some of those comments. Like, it just yeah. makes the most sense that she'll come back and win for Best Actress. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I honestly think it's going to be Quinta Brinson, too. I mean, she's, she's really good. So, and I think she deserves all the awards. Um. I could... I could see um, Jenna Ortega with Wednesday because of the hype, but I mm-hmm. think that would be wrong. I think that would be the wrong choice. Um, I have heard about Christina Applegate in Dead to Me, and I've heard her performance is really good. Um, I'll have yeah. to watch that one before I make any decisions, but I know she's a good actor too, um, and I would like to see it because um, I think it's possible. Um, but I do think the odds for Quinta Brinson is super high, so I think that's probably what I would go with as well. So. No, 100%. My mom watched Dead to Me, and she loved it. Yeah. I could even, like, the one who I want to give the biggest nod to, too, for best comedy, because I know that show's about to come out, is Selena Gomez for Only Murders in the Building. I know she's yeah. going through a whole fucking whirlwind right now of her versus Haley Bieber. <laughs> yeah. Like, Only Murders in the Building is a very good show, and caught yeah. me by surprise when I started watching it. I thought I was going to see shit posting of Steve Martin and Martin Short kind of screaming at each other, which 85% of the show is that, but, like, it's so fucking yeah. good. Selena Gomez kills it. Um, yeah. All right. On to the next one. Uh, best best actor for a comedy. I I know who it's going to be just because it's the last season of Ted Lasso. But mm-hmm. I picked Jeremy Allen White from The Bear. Because mm-hmm. the, bear, the Bear, in my opinion, obviously dramas are separate. But like out of the comedy shows, The Bear is the best show I've seen this year. It was so fucking good. And Jeremy Allen White absolutely killed it. And episode seven, the one the one shot episode, 
is my favorite mm-hmm. episode of the year out of all of TV by far. Yeah. It was yeah. so fucking good. And I want him to win so bad. And he's my favorite, even though I know for a fact, it's probably going to go to Jason Sudeikis, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think those are both good picks. I am really hoping that it's going to be Donald Glover. I really want it to be Donald Glover. Um, I haven't seen all of Atlanta, but I have seen a decent chunk of it. And he is so fucking good in that show. And I think he just does not get enough credit. Like, no, I think we got to give this dude some words. Cause I don't know, dude, the way, the way he plays this, like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's lost, but he just does not give a shit. Like, and he's just totally apathetic to everything. He just plays it so well. Like, I believe in him. I, you know, I feel for him. I totally empathize with everything he's going through. And, it, like, I don't know. It, other characters that are on this list, like, I think, you know, they're good. And, like, they are really good performances. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I just think Donald Glover needs, I think he needs the dub at this point. I can, so. Atlanta, Atlanta is for sure, I think, one of the most underrated shows of the last like since it came out honestly yeah atlanta's so fucking good it's so funny and the cast is so stacked uh-huh like you've got i know dude you've got it's Lakeith crazy Stanfield. you've got lakeith stanfield yeah. as like your third main character yeah <laughs> as your funny little crackhead friend it's so good uh, uh yeah atlanta's really fucking good i mean i think up and down it's good but i think I think we should give it to Donald Glover. I think he deserves it for sure. So, and it would encourage him to make more really good shit. I think. So, I know it's like the first big thing we saw him in after uh, Community, which I love Community. So fucking mm-hmm. funny, but I'm happy this is like his. This is his own. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, up next, we'll do best best actress in a drama. Now, this is where the awards start getting, in my opinion, a lot more difficult to pick and choose. Because it's so stacked. I, because mm-hmm. we were just talking about it, I picked Bella Ramsey mm. for The Last of Us. Yeah. As we said earlier when we just did this review, so I won't touch too much about it. The, the work that Bella Ramsey has done as Ellie is unfucking believable to encapsulate an iconic video game character to a fucking T. Like, yeah. it is unreal the work that she has put in to make this to make this happen like Mm -hmm. all the flowers should go to bella ramsey for this yeah no i i agree with that i think it's i think it's most likely going to be that um i think emma darcy has a has a shot a good shot she was good so i think that that's definitely a possibility um I'm actually surprised. I forgot about this, but Amelda Staunton is the queen in the crown. I forgot about that, and she's great, and I like her a lot. So, um, if she won, I wouldn't be upset. So, I mean, I no. I would be upset because I hate the British um, as a rule, but she's a really good actor, um, and I think that if she won, I wouldn't it wouldn't bother me at all. So, but I do think no. Bella Ramsey is the one with the most chops to take it. So, no, yeah, I think I think. Cause... Emma Dar- like Emma Darcy was so good in House of Dragon. Yeah. Especially when you gotta go from like um oh my god, what's her name? Millie? Millie uh Millie Alcock. Thank you. Millie Alcock, who yeah. already killed it with that character to start off the series, and then you gotta take mm-hmm. over from there, and you're the more experienced actress, and she yeah. just 
she picked it up fucking flawlessly. Yeah. Fuck yeah. This it's Ugh. this gonna be this and now on to best actor for a drama. This this actually was really hard for me to pick through the like just just to give everybody a, a peek of what this this website the website is golderby.com where they have all the odds. Like the the predicted people they have is Bob Odenkirk, Brian Cox, Jeremy Strong, Jeff Bridges, Pedro Pascal, and Patty Considine. And you still have like Diego Luna off, Harrison Ford is maybe even Kevin Costner for Yellowstone. Like anybody who wins this, I'm not going to be mad about because all of these actors fucking killed it in their shows. But I think it's finally time for Bob Odenkirk to get the praise he has deserved for Better Call Saul. Better Call yep. Saul has gotten shit on. And every award show, they've gotten nominated 15 times, I think, for the Golden Globes. Lost every single time. Jeez. Him as Saul Goodman is just so iconic. And in a show where you weren't sure how good it was going to be coming off of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. it's in my top five of TV shows of all time. It, yeah. The cinematography is unreal, but Bob Odenkirk fucking nailed it. And he just got better and better and better as the show went on. And I think it's finally time he gets the credit he deserved for being mm-hmm. that character for over, what, like 15 years now? Like, Yeah, I think so. He's, Something like he's that. He's been Saul Goodman forever, and he finally deserves to get the praise he needs for yeah. doing this character the justice it needed. Yeah, uh, you're right. I think it should be Bob Odenkirk. I mean, these it is a ridiculously stacked lineup for best drama actor, but it's it's got to be Bob, dude. Like, I think... If if you give it to anyone else, like I think the atmosphere is gonna be one of disappointment because I think everyone in the room will know that Bob Odenkirk deserved that win. So and like I don't know, like Brian Cox, absolutely incredible in succession. Jeremy Strong, I'm enthralled by his performance. Patty Constantine, like one of the best monologues on TV ever. But Bob Odenkirk has been putting in the work. For 15 fucking years. Like, he's just been doing it, and he's just got no recognition. I think it's got to be him. I think it absolutely has to be him. Like, yeah. And like you said, like, any one of these actors deserves to win this award, but it's just, it's Bobby's time. It's Bobby's time. It's just got to be Bobby's fucking time. time. Yeah, definitely. And then, obviously, the, the cream of the fucking crop with best drama. Once again, this, this actually is, I think, probably the toughest category. And I'll do the same thing I just said for Best Actor. The 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 shows based off the best odds right now are Succession, White Lotus, Better Call Saul, Last of Us, The Crown, House of the Dragon, Yellow Jackets, Mando. And you even leave off Yellowstone, Rings of Power, Andor, Handmaid's Tale. Like, there's a lot of shows that could sneak their way into this. And... Yeah. While I very much see Succession, because they're going to one jip better call Saul again. Succession, it's going to be <laughs> its last season. Yeah. I I, I th- think Game of Thrones is all the way back. I picked House of the Dragon. Damn. The, season one of House of the Dragon was so goddamn fucking good. Like... It blew my socks off. I thought it was way better than season one in Game of Thrones. They hit the ground mm-hmm. running with all the time jumps. It worked 
almost flawlessly. The acting mm. was phenomenal. The writing was so good. And just Game, Game of Thrones is all the way back. Mm. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough to beat. But honestly, I think it's going to be better Call Saul. I really do. How, I mean, the only way I could see it's not better Call Saul is if Succession sticks the landing. And it's tough to stick the landing, which is why I think it's going to be Better Call Saul, because it's rare, like really rare for a TV show to end well and to end mm-hmm. as well as Better Call Saul did. Like, I don't think you could ask for much more from a TV show. So I think, I mean, it's so tough. It's so tough. House of the Dragon's so good. Last of Us is going to be good. Like, that's going to be a contender. Succession, you know, and White Lotus sleeper hit with the second season. Like, surprising that that was as good as it was for a second season of a show that wasn't even supposed to have it. But dude, I don't, I don't know. I think it's gotta be better call Saul. So I do want to give the real quick flowers to white Lotus. Cause one season two is way better than season one. The best fucking theme song. One of the best of all time. <laughs> yeah. The house, the house yodeling. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? I'll play it in the yeah. goddamn shower to get myself ready in the morning. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. So and then I accidentally went over this category, but we're going to go back to it now. Uh, best best comedy series. This is another tough one. You've got... I, I really think it's a three-way race, probably between, as of right now. Depend. Obviously, they got to stick the landing. Probably between yep. Abbott, the Bear, and Ted Lasso. I think it's going to be Ted Lasso, especially now everybody knows this is the final season. Ted Lasso yeah. has swept this category every single time they've been in it the writing's phenomenal jason sudeikis like just it's just the most lovable character of all time like Mm -hmm. you truly cannot hate ted lasso at all Mm -hmm. no matter how much you want to hate the show everything else like it is just such a feel-good show yeah um that's it's gonna be super tough to beat ted lasso i agree um, but I want to throw my hat in the ring for what we do in the shadows. That is a funny fucking show. That very few shows make me laugh that hard that often. Like ah, the writers on that are so creative and so clever. And I think for them to win an Emmy would be, I think, because I think everyone should watch it. I think it's absolutely fucking hilarious. So I think that would provide the spotlight to take it from underrated to you know pinnacle of funny TV series. All of them are good for sure. I mean, you know, like looking at the list, it's the same thing as the drama. Like this is stacked comedy, but I think if what we do in the shadows could pull it off, I think yeah, it would be absolutely fantastic. It is so good. So I'm no, throwing it in I for still, that. I still want people to not get me wrong. I still think The Bear is one of the best shows to come out this year. I just know for a fact it's going to get lost in the fucking crossfires of everything else. Uh-huh. Going to get lost in the and, sauce for sure. And while we're talking about people who deserve flowers, I know we didn't go over this category, but like for best supporting actress in the drama series, I swear to fucking God, I know it's probably going to go to Jennifer goddamn Coolidge because of White Lotus and because she won it last year. If Rhea Shehorn also doesn't get the flowers she fucking deserves. Yeah. Like by, by far the best acting in the show was from her. Yeah. In my opinion. She uh, fucking yeah. killed it as Kim. I would be very surprised if she doesn't get it. I won't be upset, but she's damn good. So I absolutely agree with that. That is 
a performance of a lifetime for sure. So, like, like Better Call Saul needs its flowers. It need it needs its time for uh-huh. people to finally recognize how good this show is. I know there's so yeah. many good shows out there. We need Saul sweep. Like this is me just giving it its tour. You followed up what is argued as one of the best TV shows of all time, and you did mm-hmm. a damn good job of following that up. Yeah, like a really that's, good fucking job. That's near impossible, and they did it back to back. So, it's just, but I mean, I'm I'm excited. We're getting a lot of these shows back here super soon. Like Ted Lasso starts in what a week. We get Ted Lasso yep. back next week. Think so. Mm-hmm. We get what else comes out at the end of the month. We get Succession at the end of this month. Yep, that's about to come out. Balls of blazing. I know. They just announced Barry's about to come back, and I think Barry's got a good shot because season three was so Barry's fucking in good. April. Yeah, like it's it's we're we're back into really good TV shows, and I love yeah. that we've gotten away now again from the the whole like if you got to watch it, it's because it's streaming. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna be able to binge watch it in one season. I love that we're back to weekly TV. It makes it yeah, so much nice. more enjoyable. Yeah. It's nice to be able to dive into conversation for the full week and, you know, experience it with everybody rather than just crush it. And just, you know, it's it's in your head and it's out of your head. I think mm-hmm. I think episodic style is a lot better. It's just more fun. And that's just plain and simple. So. And plus, it's so much and you just feel less burnt out because like mm-hmm. you can go binge watch a whole series and then you kind of feel like I need a break. I'm going to go watch my my dumb comfort TV show for a little bit. Yep. So I get a mental break. This you could dive into a bunch of different shows at one time, and you can keep up with mm-hmm. them every single week. And yeah, I think Emmy season will be interesting. I think it's a lot better than the fucking Golden Globes. That's for damn sure. But yep, the award just award season's gotten a little eh. Yeah, like the Oscars. I know the Oscars are next week, but it's kind of hard yeah. when last year you had Will Smith pimp slap the shit out of. Chris Rock, and you got yeah. that's like the most exciting thing to happen at the Oscars in the last like five years. Yeah, yeah. I hope we get. I hope we get an interesting, fun Oscars without some nonsense drama. But if it boosts ratings, then we'll see what kind of manufactured bullshit we get. But I hope it's just good, clean fun, and we get. The, I hope what deserves it wins. So I hope we don't get any weird upset bullshit or anything like that or something dumb or who knows. The Oscars are weird. It's a weird show. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. But I guess that is a wrap. That is today's episode of The Blooper. Uh, tune in next week. Like I said, you motherfuckers better catch up on The Last of Us. You got It's the last <laughs> episode. Go watch Mando Comes Out Wednesday. This that's probably when this episode will drop. Yep. Go catch up on Mando. It's one episode. It's less than a fucking hour long. It's thirty nine minutes. Watch yeah, it, and it's and great. It's excellent. It's it's TV season, baby. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. Nothing wrong with that. All right, guys. We'll see you next week on the blooper. Bye bye.